welcome to Let's Talk Petty. We are not petty, but we sure love talking about it. Yes, we do. I'm Andrew. I'm Kate. I'm telling the story now. You can have the whole story to yourself. I'm going to listen now. Good. I'm glad you're going to listen now. You want to hear my title? I don't know anything about it except partly about who it's about, and that's it. Yes. You do know who it's about. Dolly Parton versus Porter Wagner. That's all I know. Yes. So, so what's your title? You hyped it up. That's my title, Dolly Parton versus Porter Wagner. Are you kidding? <laughs> nope. I can't say that you worked really hard on that. <laughs> if you did, that's pretty bad. It took me hours to come up with this. I will give you an excuse, though, because you're just getting over the cove. I, we, we jinxed me by I saying know, when I had that other cold. A couple episodes back, said you didn't have it. Yeah, and then I got it. I got it really bad. But you're better now, mostly. You're finally not testing positive. Yep, not positive, but I, I have a sinus infection now that I'm fighting off. It's great. I missed, what, a week and a half of work? Mm-hmm. Which was not great. Because <laughs> we don't have COVID pay. Woo! Everyone thinks COVID is just a big vacation when you get it and you get to stay home, but... Looking at you, you definitely didn't have a vacation. I did not. You were bored out of your mind and felt terrible. I I did feel terrible. And it was very boring because I couldn't focus or concentrate on anything. I could just lay there. And then I was so tired. It was awful. I hated it. Which means you probably put in all sorts of extra time and work on this episode to make it amazing. No. <laughs> I couldn't focus on anything. I was pretty much all done with this, though, so I didn't have to really do much. All I'll say is I'm glad we had episodes in the bank because last few weeks, a couple weeks, we probably wouldn't have had episodes out. No. Yeah, I couldn't have done anything because I not only went back to sounding like a man because my uh, throat was so sore and I was so congested, but then I I couldn't even like sit up and do normal stuff for like 20 minutes and I was like, I got to go dig a nap. It was not great but you're mostly over it and we can record again yes which we're both happy about we yes we are dust off our recording equipment <laughs> it has been sad just been sitting there use me use me <laughs> we have such a good schedule and then now it it's blown out of proportion blown out of proportion not really you want to see my picture of them i see the picture of them porter and dolly Porter and Dolly. So what do you know about... I'm going to go with Dolly Parton first. What do you know about Dolly Parton? I know she came up with Dollywood. <laughs> and she's come up with a lot... She means she's obviously a musician. Came up with a lot of very famous songs. And let's see. She's big into philanthropy right now. giving, Helping people out. I know well, that. Over she's the last always couple been... Years. She's always been big on. I've on only that. I've only known about it the last couple of years. Oh well, yeah, because she's she did the whole um, when that big fire happened in Gatlinburg. Mm. Well, that's because that's where Dollywood is. It is, but she did a ton of stuff for like a lot of people there. But she's always been that way. She's always been super generous. So. Fun fact: I've been there before. To Dollywood, I have. When? Way back when we'd go visit my grandparents, we went there one time. It was a big deal for him to take me there. I I vaguely remember you telling me something about it, but... I don't remember anything about the place at all since I don't do rides or anything, but... Oh, yeah. I remember we went there. That's it. Hmm. 
I have always wanted to go there because I love roller Obviously coasters. Obviously, it wasn't memorable because I don't remember a thing about it. <laughs> well, how old were you? Had to have been a teenager. I don't know. You don't remember a lot of stuff, though, <laughs> when you're a kid and a teenager. So yeah. I guess that's not really saying that much. All right. Well, do you even know who Porter Wagner is or anything about him? No. no. Something to do with her musical career, I'm guessing. That's a good guess. Did he partner up or sing with her? Or? Well, you're going to find all about. All we always about find out. We're always going to talk about Porter it. Wagner. Yeah. So this is actually another one that Drunk History covered briefly, like years ago. So you might have seen the episode and, and not. It just hasn't registered yet. Probably. I know I've seen them all. A few of them I don't remember. A few I remember well. Yeah. This one was, it's a funny one, but I don't think that you would have like been like, oh my gosh, I remember that from Drunk History. Um, And then I heard about this when I was a kid, the feud between the two of them, when the movie The Bodyguard came out. Do you remember that movie? I remember. I've never seen it. <laughs> you've never seen The Bodyguard? I don't know why I'm always surprised at movies Every you have not seen. Every time you're like, you've never seen I that? know. I don't know why. You should be surprised when I say I've seen a movie. Well, do you? Okay, so it came out in 1992. I remember there was a song about, there was a song uh-huh. that was really popular. Really popular. And, and we're going to talk about that song. Really? Yeah. Are we going to talk about Kevin Costner? We are not going to talk. Well, now we are because we're talking about The Bodyguard. But I had seen that movie when I was a kid. And that movie, the song in it is amazing. The movie's actually not a bad movie. But the... Uh, the song is just the one, the thing I think that people remember the most from The Bodyguard is the song. And so I was telling my dad how amazing that song is. And he was like, well, do you know where it came from? And I was like, I have no idea. And then he told me this whole story and it blew me away. When I was a kid, it blew me away. And now all these years later, now I'm doing a podcast. No, you're going to blow me away it? with the story. Well, I don't know if I'll blow you away, but I think you'll like it. So I do have a little bit of background for each of them because not everybody knows Dolly Parton, which I don't know why everyone should know about Dolly Parton. People don't know who Dolly Parton is. There are some people that don't know who Dolly Parton is. I also remember just popped into my Mm -hmm. head back in the 80s when the National Enquirer was a big deal. And it seemed like she was always on the cover of that. (laughs) There's controversy about about how big her boobs were. Always. Were they real? Were they not? That was like the. Bat Boy and her were like alternating weeks on National Enquirer. Who? Bat Boy, Batman, the bat person, the guy that had a face of a bat. <laughs> How do you remember that? But you don't remember going to Dollywood. <laughs> because that guy has a memorable looking face. Oh Everyone at Dollywood just looked like normal people. So if Bat I had Boy seen... had been at Dollywood, yes. you would have been like, if I had best seen, trip ever. If I had seen Bat Boy at Dollywood, I would remember that trip 100%. What if you had seen Dolly Parton? I'd have been like, oh, yeah, I remember I went to Dollywood and I saw Dolly Parton there. But you wouldn't have been as excited if you had seen Bat Boy. I would have been more excited. To see Dolly Parton? No, Bat Boy. To see Bat Boy. Okay, that's what I thought. I really don't remember. He's It's some weird name like that, Bat Boy something. I don't remember anything about it, so... That's hilarious. <laughs> you remember that, but not stinking Dollywood. <sighs> I remember what I remember. I guess so. All right. So Dolly Parton was born on January 19th, 1946, and was the fourth of 12 children. Just craziness. 
who has time to have that many kids? So not only did they have 12 kids, but they lived in a one bedroom house on Locust Ridge, Locust Ridge in Tennessee. I could not imagine that. bedroom house with 12 kids. One bedroom house. And the joke in the uh, one of the books that I read was, how did your parents have time to have 12 kids when you live in a one-bedroom house? Did y'all not, not, not know what's going on? And she's just like, oh, I guess we didn't. I was like, oh, God. Hmm. What a question to ask. But Things somebody you don't want to think it. about. Yeah. So she was musical from a young age, making her debut on the Grand Old Opry. Grand Ole Opry. That's what I said. Grand Ole Opry. I thought you said old. No, not old. Ole. It was, and you, obviously you know what that is then. I didn't really know. It's one of country music's most famous country platforms in the world. I did not know that. Fun fact. I've stayed at the hotel attached to the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> I can't believe that you remember that. Well, that was from one of my last couple jobs that I had when I went away for a trip and we were um... staying there. I see. That's why. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, aren't you fancy? Dollywood and Grand Ole Opry. I've got a lot of connections to this episode. You really do. All You'll right. You'll probably so... start talking about me somewhere in here. <laughs> Fun fact Andrew stayed here. <laughs> uh, definitely. It's in my notes. So in 1964, she took a bus to Nashville to become a country music star. She had some success with songs like Dumb Blonde. Have you ever heard of that song? Dumb Blonde? Nope. Me either. I listened to it. It's actually, it's not, it's a catchy tune. I liked it. So she got her big break when she joined the Porter Wagner show. This is where Porter Wagner comes in to her life. Dolly Parton is an absolutely incredible songwriter, along with being a very compassionate and caring person, which we've already talked about. Mm Mm-hmm. To her, the Porter Wagner show was show was a way for her to get her name established, but definitely not where she intended to stay long term. So that was her goals. So she was using that story. as a jumping board to what she wanted to do next. Absolutely. Got it. So Porter Wagner, he was born on August 12th, 1927, and he died on October 28th, 2007. How many bedrooms did his house have? <laughs> it didn't say. Or if it did, I did not. It was not significant enough for me to remember. That hers was significant. Oh, you remember how many bedrooms her house had, but I you do. don't remember how many his house had. For sure. Okay. So he was known for his flashy nudie and manuel suits and blonde pompadour. So at first I was like, nudie and manuel. And so I had to look it up. But those are just the names of the designers of the suits that he would wear. They had. I think I have one of those in my closet. Oh, you definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I catch you wearing, but probably about once a month. Just trying them on, and you're like, and you walk in, you're like, "Are you trying your suits on again?" And I'm like, "Yes." Well, these suits have lots of rhinestones. I mean, if you ever look at the pictures of them, as soon as I saw them, I was like, "Okay, he secretly invented the bedazzler." <laughs> think he he made it one of his suits weighed 40 pounds <laughs> it was bedazzled all right so we backpack and our backpacks at 35 pounds mm-hmm. are pretty heavy yeah so his whole suit weighed 40 pounds 40 pounds that's why i was like he and has it's a suit to. which is probably going to make him warm oh, how do yeah. you even wear that I, he had to have been like 
just well, he was tall and skinny. I can imagine that's why, why he was skinny. He was constantly well, he should have been a lot shorter off. apparently because he could have been even taller. But those rhinestone suits probably held him down from growing. No, uh, he started wearing them when he was older, not when he was a kid. What would you do if you went to school? And there was a kid that wore a rhinestone suit every day, a different one. He had like five different ones. I'd instantly want to be his friend. I'd be like, I'm hanging out with you. I like your suits. <laughs> is that a nudie or a manuel is what I would ask him. Okay. That I would like, be my question. I don't know what I would do. Probably look at him quite often. <laughs> you'd be entertained. I guess you'd want to be his friend. Why would how would you not want to be his friend? I think I'd be friends with him long enough just to ask him and find out why he wears the suits and where he gets them from, and then I'd be like, "All right, we're done." Oh, so you would just use him for the information mm-hmm. and then bail? Okay. Well. It would have come in handy on our podcast if I had done it when I was younger, yeah. or if you had known someone who was doing that. But mm-hmm. alas, you did not. It's too bad. All right, so Porter, he had early success in the 1950s, and he did a lot with the Grand Ole Opry. He ended up with his own show, like I said, the Porter Wagner Show. That show was the most popular country show of the 60s, growing from 18 stations in 1961 to over 100 stations in the early 70s. So his show being that popular, I can't believe I never heard of it, because in his biography, it it talks about people that he performed with that were also on Hee Haw, do you remember Hee Haw? I do. So I know Hee Haw. I don't know how I never, ever heard of this. I guess my mom never rushed us home to watch the Porter Wagner show. So that's probably why. But there was she a lot of... you home to watch Hee Haw? <laughs> yes. We used, to, we used to have to rush home so that she would not miss Hee Haw. <laughs> Hee Haw. Hee Haw. Hee Haw. Hee Haw. And I remember as a kid watching it going, this is the dumbest show. Why did we have to rush home for this? She loved it. Was Dolly Parton ever on Hee Haw? I don't know. That's a good question. I wouldn't be surprised. You'll have to ask your mom. I'm sure she knows. I don't know if she really remembers. Because I remember making fun of her one time about how we had to rush home to watch Hee Haw. And she's like, I rushed you home to watch Hee Haw. I'm like, oh, my God, you don't even remember this? You're you're probably one of the few kids whose parents ran them home to watch Hee Haw. Hey, she liked what she liked. Probably not many people that can make that claim. My mom did all sorts of things. She bought me Bon Jovi underwear. She rushed me home to watch Hee Haw. She also used to let us stay up all hours playing video games, trying to beat different levels of video games. So I no complaints with that. How are you a functioning adult? (laughs) Hey, it's how I have my keen sense of humor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all, all those episodes of Hee <laughs> It's all coming full circle. Anyway, love you, Mom. All right, so he was obviously successful. There's no denying that. But when Dolly Parton came on, she definitely helped to boost his whole show and him as a person, too. So... She was very naturally musical, like I said, and she was talented at writing songs. So the two of them complemented each other well. Their singing voices also meshed well, making the two a very popular country music duo. It seems a huge part of their draw for people was how down to earth both of the stars seemed to be when they were together. Sometimes I think that when two people who just mesh very very well get together, they kind of draw the other person out. Mm -hmm. 
you know, kind of like how I draw the best out in you. I don't know if I can say vice versa. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> your face right now. <laughs> I, I knew like... that's where you were going as soon as you started your line. As soon as you started. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Uh, anyway, we just, you know, we just draw out the best in each other. And that's kind of what they did. She drew out. So you're comparing us to Porter Wagner and Dolly Parton. He is a little bit on the grumpy side. I'm not grumpy. <laughs> and second of all, when are we going to be on the Grand Ole Opry? <laughs> I I got to talk to Dolly about that. Apparently. She'll get us right on there. So, um, so they're a good team. Dolly growing up poor, I'm going to say, though, and being one of the oldest of 12. I think it made her really mature, but it also let her put up with a lot from people. But everyone has their limits. Mm-hmm. even someone as wonderful as Dolly Parton. I refuse to believe that. It's true. So the difference with Dolly from other stories that we have told each other is that Dolly is not petty. Then why are we even talking about it? Oh, you're going to see this is a great story. Okay. So she says things how they are and she doesn't hide what she is feeling. Which makes it even weirder that someone like Porter Wagner is going to choose to be petty with her, of all people. It just, it blows my mind. Like, reading all of the stuff that I read, I was just like, what, what is he thinking and doing? It's, it's just crazy. So the two of them ended up working together for seven years, from 1967 to 1974. And when Dolly was first on his show... Everyone started asking where Norma Jean was because that was the female singer that was on the show before her. And when Dolly came on, she was very different from Norma Jean. So she actually was getting booed and nobody wanted her on the stage. She ended up their first show. She was in tears. Marilyn Monroe. What? Norma Jean. No, not not Marilyn Monroe. Not, I know I at first ask. at first I was like Norma Jean, but no, she was not a country singer on Port Porter Wagner show. I hate to break that to you. <laughs> Although I am impressed that you know that, that was Marilyn Monroe's real name. Not bad for a grumpy person. <laughs> You're not grumpy. I was just pecking on you, honey bunny. All right, so he so during this transition, Porter is super supportive to Dolly. And what he decided was he was going to have them sing duets together so that everybody was going to get used to her being on the show. And their voices blended so well, it actually worked. It paid off. And so pretty soon everybody was like, Norma Jean who? And they loved Dolly Parton. So it all worked out for the two of them being on the show. Do, so, we, ever know, do we know whatever happened to Norma Jean? She actually went off and she had um, she wanted to get married. Well, she wanted to have a baby. I think she was already married and she wanted to have a baby and start a family. You'll see through my story that they're the regimen that he had them on was very hectic and it was a lot of traveling. So she didn't want to do that anymore. So she went off and she had a baby and was like, see you later. I want to actually have a life. So we're going to actually talk about two articles right now. The first one is from an underground newspaper published by the Atlanta, Georgia Cooperative News Project. This magazine was out from 1968 to 1976. And Dolly was asked asked about working with Porter. So this is while they're together and they're traveling. And she acknowledged how much he had helped her out. And she truly appreciated all that he had done for her. However, being the very honest person Dolly is, she also talked about the challenges. 
the article that I'm talking about is from 1971 and it shows that there's cracks in the foundation of their partnership. If Porter had been paying attention, which he definitely was not, he may have seen and heard that Dolly was getting frustrated because she literally said to his face and others that she was getting frustrated. (laughs) So that's why I'm saying she's not a petty person. Like if she's frustrated, she's going to be like, hey, guess what? I'm really irritated right now. And then tell you exactly why she's irritated. Well, he probably wasn't listening because he had all that weight of rhinestones on his body and he was so focused on just staying upright he probably didn't hear a word anybody told him he's too busy wiping the sweat off his brow oh trying to figure out where he can buy his next stash of rhinestones i gotta make a machine oh i think i'm gonna call it the bedazzler i don't know it just it cracks me up he he loved those suits that was his thing. I feel like there was a lot of people back then in that particular genre of people yeah. that loved rhinestone suits. I, he, but I think I feel like he was like kind of a trendsetter when it came to to those suits. Hmm. I think he really was like, I love these things. <laughs> I wear them all the time. So he wasn't doing it just for the show. He legit. I, loved I think them. he legit liked how those suits made him look, and his blonde pompadour. Hmm. Yeah, I think he liked it. So going back to the article, is he so dead? yeah, I told you it was death date in the beginning when he was born and when I was he died. Too busy thinking about rhinestone suits. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said nudie. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just well, kidding, honey. Well, did he get buried in a rhinestone suit? I hope. I don't know. It's a good question. I hope he did. Because I hope he did. What too. else would you get buried in if that's what you were known for? But he would have to pick who who we liked more, the nudie or Manuel. And then one of them would be jealous. It's a pretty easy solution. Top is nudie, bottom is Manuel, or, or vice, vice versa. versa. That is a pretty easy solution. All right. So she tells this article, Porter is a great, great person to work with. Of course, it's not always smooth sailing because we're both so much alike and I have my own ideas about things. And it's just natural for him to think, I don't really know what's going on. And I feel like I do. And sometimes we have conflict over that. And get into heated arguments. But that's just part of it. At least I'm smart enough to know he's the boss and he's been at it longer than me. But still, I have to present my ideas. And if I have to, I'll argue about them. But all around, it's great. A great relationship and Porter is a great person because he's so much like me. We are so much alike in a lot of ways. We like the same things. So there's nothing, nothing petty she really went on a wild ride with that statement. She, she does, was and she has all a over ton She was of, up, down, up. And she always, always talks in run-on sentences. I love it. <laughs> so she'd her. be one of those people that text you with no periods at all and just... Oh, yeah. So she pretty much could have invented voice-to-text and just rambling text messages. Yes. Like, like I would love to see my mom's text messages to Dolly Parton and, and Dolly Parton back to my mom. Uh, their text messages, we could tar- start a whole Twitter account over them. Cause <laughs> We've talked about that before, though, haven't yes, we? Yes, having, having a Twitter account with my mom's texts. <laughs> they are so funny. Me and my brother were on the phone reading each other some of our text messages from our mom and trying to decipher what she was trying to say in it. (laughs) It is the best. I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. They're amazing. I really want to start that Twitter account now, but after we never started our whole... Well, we tried, but we couldn't. Remember, you looked it up and we couldn't get the names. Well, the names, I tried, but it, it was just too much work. 
Yeah, but, but for one Twitter account, maybe I can do it. We'll see. Probably won't. Now, if I could only talk Dolly Parton into texting my mom. Because <laughs> the run-on sentences and the just using talk to text. And so you have no interest in talking to her at all, asking her any questions. You just want to call her up and be like, hey, hey, thanks for returning my call. Can you just text my mom really quick? Do me a favor. Start a just a text conversation with my mom. Don't ever talk in person on the phone. I mean, just just text each other using talk to text, please. It'd be amazing. I would love it. Hmm. But anyway. Sounds like a winning idea. It is a winning idea. I'd read it. So she's not petty person. She just literally is like, this is how it is. This is what it's like between the two of us working. It's not always great, but I still love him. He's a great person. She basically said it's not always great, but it's great. Yeah. I mean, which is a lot of times true in situations like this when you're famous and you're on the road a lot and you're around each other all the time so then in 2008 dolly talked about porter again in the los angeles times here she is again refreshingly honest and says how it is she says i worked with porter wagner on his show for seven years i don't mean this in a bad way so don't play it up that way but he was very much a male chauvinist pig certainly a male chauvinist he was in charge and it was his show But he was also very strong willed. That's what we fought like crazy because I wouldn't put up with a bunch of stuff out of respect for him. I knew he was the boss and I would go along to where I felt this was reasonable for me. But once it passed points where it was like your way or my way, and this is just to control to prove to you that I can do it, then I would just pitch a damn fit. I wouldn't care if it killed me. I would just say what I thought. So again, a lot in these sentences, but... It's a lot to take in. It is a lot to take in. And some of the stuff that we're going to talk about where she, you know, calls him a male chauvinist pig. You're going to see why. Why she calls him this. Well, he he wears a rhinestone suit. I can pretty much automatically assume that's how he acts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's a stereotype. If you love wearing rhinestone suits, I'm sorry, but. I'm going to say that 99% of people that wear rhinestone suits are probably chauvinist pigs. Probably. I, I can't disagree after some of the stuff that of I Of course, read. we only know one person, and that's 100%. So <laughs> we're, going on we the, go. we're going on the data that we have. Well, don't you think? I think Elvis Presley loved those suits, too. He loved the rhinestone suits. Yeah. But he was also a very big male chauvinist pig. So two for two. It's not looking good for you rhinestone suit wearers. <laughs> That poor kid that we made up who wears rhinestone suits to school. We turned him into Little a does he know. pig. He's now a chauvinist pig. And all, we, all we wanted to do was be friends with him. Poor kid. Well, you did. I, I just did. wanted to use him for information. Yeah. I still want to be his friend. All right. So for as Porter, Porter's part, he really had showmanship and he used TV in a time that a lot of famous didn't people didn't. He and Dolly were on the road 200 days of the year. Recording shows fast so they didn't look too rehearsed. So that's why Norma Jean was like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. On the road 200 days out of the year. So they were recording TV shows 200 days a year? They were on the road 200 days a year. So they were traveling around to different locations. Recording. Recording. So they're on the road for 200 days out of the year. And then wherever they would stop is where they would So they just find a random TV studio and record it? It was in front of like a live studio audience kind of thing. Oh, so they so, were yeah. basically recording their 
concerts that they were playing. Yeah, pretty much. But in studios with people watching. So he was using TV. His idea was, I'm going to allow people to see that not all country singers are hillbillies and didn't wear shoes. That wear rhinestone suits. Yeah, well, to him, that is that shows that they actually had some poise in class. class. Yes. To him, that was that they showed poise in class. So that was his (laughs) thinking behind his lovely rhinestone suits. Nothing says class like a pompadour and those suits. That's literally what I was just about to say. Nothing shows class like rhinestone. <laughs> That's I think what we, he thought. I think we have a title for our episode now, too. Nothing shows class like rhinestone. So he would also often put Dolly's career ahead of his own, almost like a parent living vicariously through a child more talented than they are. He said, Dolly, I don't want to tie you up for life, but I want to have you with my show for enough years so I will have a building time to get you to a point where I can maybe make myself some money from you being a part of my show. Wait, he's doing 200 shows a year and he's not making money? He's making money, but he is saying what he's trying to do is he's trying to get to the point basically where Dolly is so famous that he she's going to be able to support him. That was his thinking. Oh, we'll talk about it. We talk about this a lot. So all of your questions are going to be answered. I can <laughs> your face and the hand gesture is telling me that you have many questions, which I also did. It was just like, Ugh. so then after that, he proceeded to be very frank with Dolly and let her know he was going to make her a star that would allow him to reap the benefits. He sank so much of himself into her career that those around him started to try to warn him saying, you're putting 90% of your time into Dolly's career and 10% into yours. Because if she makes it and leaves, where's that going to leave you? But All he wouldn't I'm listen. Say is that's a bold move for someone wearing a rhinestone suit to say, mm-hmm. I'm just here to use you. That's literally why he is telling her. So can you start to see why Dolly was like, uh, I'm not really a fan of that. Why wouldn't she just run away? Or is that His, like you go back to what you were talking about where she just was able to put up with a lot because of how she grew up and yes. her upbringing? Uh, that's absolutely what it is. So Dolly agreed with him that, you know, this whole thing is a great opportunity for her her to become a big star. And she said, all right, you know what? I'm going to stay with you as long as you want me to. And then I think she thought about it. And then she was like, or let's say five years. So her plan is about five years. Like, I'll stay with you. I'll help you get your show like going good and continuing strong. But. Like, let's say about five years is what she wants to do. So they're, they're this great duo. And Porter obviously saw her star quality and draw. But it seems he really wanted to always control that star. And that is, uh, you, you can see from his statements that that's pretty much what he wants to do. So there is one thing that is very obvious in all the articles and books I read about Dolly. And that is, there's no controlling her. So that's why it's even funnier that he thinks. I'm going to control this person. The funny, ironic part is that's literally what he wants to do is control her. Yeah, he wants to control her. But he's too blinded by his rhinestone lights to see the (laughs) fact that she doesn't want that and will not accept it. That's why every time she's shaking her head at him, like, I don't like this. All he sees is like that, you know, that like glow, that light glow around her. And to him, she's smiling and happy. And if I had someone that was using me like that, and always wore rhinestone suits. 
I would make sure that I always wore sunglasses and had light <laughs> reflecting on them so that when they looked at me, they would just see the light reflect the rhinestones reflecting back at them nonstop. I, just, I would make sure every single time they looked at me, I had sunglasses on. I was in a well-lit room, so it would just shine right back at them. I cannot imagine how. I mean, you know how hot stage lights are. I cannot imagine how just sweaty and disgusting he was by the time they got done doing one of their shows. It How do you even clean so those nasty. suits? I don't know. I mean, dry cleaning, obviously, but his dry cleaning bill must have been. You can dry clean a rhinestone suit. How else are you going to clean that? That's what I asked. What? You're not going to hand wash it? Spray it with Lysol, maybe. <laughs> he never washed them. All I did was spray them <laughs> with Lysol. No wonder Dolly wanted to get out of there. <laughs> She's like, listen, Porter, I can't take the smell anymore. It's too much. That's what she was talking about in that statement before. It's good, but it has its bad parts. He sprays his suits with Lysol, but overall it's good. Yeah. That's really what she was talking about. They just edited that part out. So he's working super like he's working close with her. They're like she said, they're very they're both very strong willed. So I just think the only explanation for all of this, which I mean, he said himself, is this is just money driven. At this point, he's not caring about like Dolly as a person. I don't think that he cared about her as a person as much as she cared about him as a person at all. I think this is very one sided on that part of it. So he often would critique how she wrote songs and how she needed to write the songs. And then he was also trying to control like all aspects of not just the show, but also their singing career and how that went. So he is doing like pretty much just every angle. He is like trying to box her into what he feels like she needs to be. And there's a host for Nashville now. His name was Ralph Emery, and he was actually a a close friend of Porter's. thought you were going to say he was a close friend of yours. Yeah, he's a super close friend of me. a close friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah, I you know you know me in Nashville now. Can't get enough of that show. I don't even know if it's still on. But he was super close to Porter, and he's quoted in Porter's biography as admitting that as Porter's star rose with Dolly attached, he did get difficult to deal with. They were close friends, and he couldn't even get him to do his radio show, saying maybe he thought he was too big for it. I know they were busy, but I could get Dolly. Porter was hard to deal with when he hit the top. And he also said, I think he was a very hard driving man about their careers. I think there were no committees. Porter ruled until the day Dolly felt she, oh wait, sorry, that Dolly felt like she could have more creative control of her career, which is what everybody was seeing. Like, this is not going to end well. And, and it was every statement that I read was everybody telling Porter, like, you cannot continue what you're doing. This is not going to end well, and it's all going to be your fault. Is pretty much what everybody was saying to him. So there's two so- two things happening here. Mm-hmm. He very obviously, like we're talking about, wants to control her mm-hmm. and control every aspect of her life, and he's just using her for the money. Yeah. But at the same time, you just said that, and why would anybody try to make a point to someone that? walks out of the house wearing a rhinestone suit you're not going to get logic through to this person it's just a waste of your time and energy they have the, the, if someone the is willing to walk out of their shield. house in a rhinestone suit every day of their life 
You cannot possibly tell them, hey, this is what you're doing right now isn't a good idea because nothing's going to be a worse idea than leaving the house <laughs> in a rhinestone suit. <laughs> Looking in the mirror, combing up his hair. You look good, Porter. You look real good. <laughs> that is a very good point that I did not think of. <laughs> Why even try? <laughs> People tried. They were trying to help Dolly out. They felt bad for her, as they should. I don't know. Hmm. All right. So not only does he have all of this controlling stuff, but he also likes to give the impression that he basically not only discovered Dolly Parton, but he was he made her everything that she had become, saying it was difficult to keep Dolly in an area where I knew what was going on. This required, quote unquote, complete control, which is why Dolly was successful from the very start, almost despite herself, because you would not believe there would be no way of explaining the frustration that happened. If I hadn't been a strong-willed person, Dolly would have led me off on a dark, dingy road. Give me a break. Hate to say it, Porter, but you're walking down a dark, dingy road yourself. Yes. Yes, he was. Project much? <laughs> so insane. And then he described how when he wanted Dolly to do a song that no other woman or in his words girl he always called is a girl singer they're never women they're always girls oh I can't. that is one of my biggest pet peeves i cannot stand it if somebody calls me girl i can, i well i guess so irritated what if someone came up to us we didn't know and was like hey this is my girl kate that's different I'm talking about a man condescendingly calling me girl. Listen here, girl. Yeah, there, right there. That what do you, what do you hate worse, girl or broad? Girl. Because at least broad is like a broad, an older person. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't stand it. So he always called them girl. So. He wanted her to sing this song that no other girl singer would would sing. And he insisted his side of the story is that he talked Dolly into this. Supposedly, she cried about it, carried on. And then finally, he's like, no, you need to record this because people are going to be so eager to see that girl singer who sang. And the name of the song is Mule Skinner Blues. Which I did look it up and, and listened to it. And it is like a very, like that song reminds me of like, it had to have been on Hee Haw. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is on Hee Haw. And she does do a really good job because there's like notes and stuff in it that are hard to hit. And she does a really good job singing it. I mean, she like nailed it out of the park. So Dolly is told what he said in this. So they had this whole um lawsuit that came about because he ends up suing her and we're going to talk about a little a little bit later but Dolly is told in this deposition in 1979 what he said about this song and Dolly's response was I that I didn't want it to be released are you serious no sir that I didn't want it released like she could not get over that he is sitting here telling this version of the story when if you hear her in it if you'll have to listen to the song. Like I'll have you listen to it. 
if you're not happy that you are having to sing and record a song, you're not going to do as good as she did in this song. You're just not. Like, you got to have passion and feel it. Yes. And you can totally tell that she is into this song when she is singing it. Like she had no problem singing this song. So who knows where he comes up with this stuff. So he he always portrayed Dolly as this poor witless girl that needed his help every step of the way. So in one of one of the articles I was reading, he describes how, you know, he because, again, he's trying to make it like, oh, she wouldn't be where she is if it wasn't for me. So he describes how he went through a bunch of microphones to find the right one for Dolly. And the reason he had to do this is because her voice was so shrill Like, that's how he describes this woman who is his partner. Her voice is so shrill. But, you know, once I found the right one that made her voice sound good, I made sure to mark that microphone for her. So they always knew to use that one for her when we went in to record. Oh, thank you, Porter, since her voice is so shrill. Do you think he mansplained the whole time he was marking it? Now what I'm doing is I'm taking this marker, which... We take the cap off and it marks things. I'm going to go over to this microphone, this thing that you sing into right here that projects your voice. And I'm going to put a mark on it with this marker. It's going to be black. This marker is a permanent marker. Do you know what permanent means? It'll always be there. Do you see how much work I do for you, Dolly? It's exhausting explaining it all to you because you're just a girl. You're just a girl singer. I'm not sure if you even understand this. So annoying. So... Both of them have very different versions as to how a contract for Dolly to be on the Porter Wagner show even came about. And in this whole thing, Dolly did have a very good point that she never had a lawyer even look at the contract before she signed it. So here she is, a young woman trying to make her start in country music world. And it appears, obviously, that she trusted Porter to look out for her. Like, she was trusting him to do what he said. And he, at the very least, should have gotten a lawyer involved to protect both of them, not just her, but him him as well. So there's items that were added to the contract and witnessed by one person, but the contract itself was not written up by a lawyer. So there's so many crazy loopholes in the whole contract. Like there was a couple things that I was going to uh, read like about what he wanted, but it was so confusing (laughs) and made no sense how he wrote it that I was like, I'm not even going to try to explain this. If people want, they can read it. It's in his biography and it's in a couple of the things that she's written. So, but it's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny, funny read where you're just like, um, what are you trying to do here, buddy? Basically, it was like, you're indebted to me forever. (laughs) So the contract was pretty much trying to say, which no, that's not going to work. If you're going to mark a microphone for someone, it's basically like marking them and saying, yeah, you're mine. Yeah. Oh, like my whole life or your whole life is my whole life now. Remember that time when we were dating and we uh, we were out and we were looking at microphones at the microphone store and I had a marker like we always tended to do. And I pulled it out and I put a I put a just a slash on the microphone with the mark with the marker that I had in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're mine. (laughs) I don't remember that. That would have been a fantastic story to tell people at our wedding, though. To not weird everyone out or anything. So anyway, so during this deposition for this lawsuit that he brought against her, Dolly was asked about all the gifts that Porter had so generously given her. But I thought that was weird to ask because as Dolly pointed out, while she preferred him to not buy her gifts, 
They were gifts, and Porter was not the type of person to take no for an answer. Bottom line is, Porter knew that Dolly was going to be a star, and he wanted to get as much money out of her as he could. Dolly said that really isn't fair because she did as much for Porter with his career as he did for hers. Their partnership was mutually beneficial, which is absolutely 100% true. It feels like it's very one-sided, though. I mean, yeah, he had some connections, but... Is she definitely made his star like rise having her there she's so would you just say a born star she used him i i think that she was using the porter wagner show like we talked about as a spring springboard but she made it very clear that that was not where she wanted to stay she did not always want to be on the porter I mean, he wagner was very show. obvious he said i'm using you yeah so that's why i say it feels like it was it was both ways. That's why she ways. was saying it's mutually been their relationship was mutually beneficial. As a lot of people that work together in Hollywood know, we're mutually benefiting each other by having this partnership. That's just the way that it goes. We actually talk a little bit more about it, though. So another thing that both Dolly and Porter talked about openly was Porter's hot temper with Porter admitting in an interview in 1971. I've got an awful temper. I guess I've got one of the worst tempers a person could have. If something really gets to me, it seems like it just tears me all to pieces. I've always been that way ever since I was a kid, and I know that's not good. He also said he let things bother him when they shouldn't and that he could be moody around the band when he knew he shouldn't. So on top of all of this stuff, he also has a crazy temper that she has to deal with, which no wonder they were arguing all of the time. Because somebody like Dolly Parton, who is going to stick up for herself, is not going to let you yell at her. Like, that is just not going to happen. So another huge contention between the two of them seems to have been Dolly wanting to break into pop music. She wanted to try it to see if she could do it while she still had country music to fall back on in case that venture failed, which I say that is a very logical thing to do. I know I can make it in country. I've already made it in country. I'm going to try this. So you will not believe this, but Porter could not understand how or why she would And the wording of what I'm about to say that he uses is very important here. He says, quote, why would you leave somebody that that's already with you and then fall back on them if you can't make it? She did not say. I know I can make it with Porter. So that's why I'm going to try pop music. She said, I know I can make it in country music. And he, of course. Takes this, her wanting to branch out into a different musical style as, oh, this is about me. Because he invented country music. He did. (laughs) He not only invented country music, but also Dolly. So he's just, he becomes more and more controlling of Dolly and him, the more popular they get together. And it's not just with her, but with literally every aspect of the business that they're in and that they're doing. He upset many people with that, not just Dolly, and had many people warn him that him trying to hold on to Dolly the way he was was just going to end in disaster. His view of it was, though, that Dolly was an employee and should listen to him, her boss. And then Dolly, she's seen it as, I'm not just an employee. I'm an independently contracted RCA recording artist, which is what she was. So he just did not see things the right way, the realistic way. No, he, not he saw at he was all. looking at everything through rhinestone eyes. <laughs> oh 
I feel like everywhere he went, he had the theme song Rhinestone Cowboy playing <laughs> whenever he entered. <laughs> Just a rhinestone cowboy. And that was his theme song. <laughs> I can see that song playing in the background while he's combing his hair. Oh, yes. Like at, whenever he can have that song playing, like he had it playing. He is like, yes, this is excellent. The song is all about me. So in an article from October 20th, 1974 in the Tennessean, Dolly told a reporter that she didn't want to talk about the split, but that she was happy to be on her own. She said, I've always pretty well done things my own way as far as my personality is is concerned, but now I want to do things more my way than I have in the past. I was proud to be part of the Porter Wagner organization, but this gives me a chance to prove myself and carry on in my own way. This gives me a chance to do some things that I wouldn't have felt were fair for me to suggest in his show just because I felt they would be better for me. So she ended up parting ways. They were already headed this way. They were already headed towards splitting as everyone else but Porter Wagner could see. And that's what we're going to talk about that song from The Bodyguard. This is where that song comes into play. And this is a story that my dad had told me. And when you know what it's actually about, it makes it even sadder. So she wrote this song for Porter and sang it to him in the hopes he would understand that it was time for her to move on. And now that you know, like his whole life story, which you don't because you did not read his biography like I did, it makes it even sadder because we're looking back and we know how things went. And you will know how things went when we get done finished talking about this. So we're going to talk about this song. And I know you never hear lyrics in song in songs. You only hear the music. So I feel like you should know what the words of the song were that she sang to him. I'm going to sing it. Are you going to sing it? Yeah, I'm going to sing it just like. um, Why why am I blanking on her name? (laughs) From the bodyguard, the one who sang it. Who did an amazing? Whitney Houston, in yes, the bodyguard. Why, why, why was I blanking on Whitney Houston? I wanted to call her Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different people. Remember that eighties pop star Winona Ryder? <laughs> anyway, she um, sang it amazing. She definitely like blew everyone away, including Dolly Parton, with the song. How she sang it. No, I'm not going to sing it like Winona Ryder or Whitney Houston. <laughs> sing it how Winona Ryder would sing it. I don't know how she would sing it. Uh, I wish I could channel her enough to be able to, but I can't. Okay, so she said, so the song goes, if I should stay, well, I would only be in your way. And so I'll go, but I know I'll think of you each step of the way. And then it says, I will always love you. I will always love you. And then it says, bittersweet memories. That's all I'm taking with me. Goodbye. Please don't cry. We both know that I'm not what you need. And then she repeats the chorus. And then she says, I hope life treats you kind. And I hope that you have all that you have ever dreamed of. I wish you joy and happiness. But above all of this, I wish you love. Makes me want to cry right now. How are you not moved by that? I didn't read the book. It's not the book. It's just the words. It's deep so lyrics. If for somebody sure. came to you and sang that song, you would be like, thanks, man. <laughs> you probably would be. 
It's deep lyrics. I mean, I was Thanks, thinking about yeah. the lyrics. That was really nice. And like thinking of the emotion behind the lyrics. Wow. It's very sad. It's a very sad song. So they split professionally after this. Porter and Dolly still had adjoining offices and worked together on projects that they both felt were right. And they definitely were still friends. And this article talked a lot about how Wagner was still very much a part of Dolly's life, produ- producing much of her new work. So when she sang that song to him, he was like, yes, you can go. But I get to produce that song. <laughs> he did cry. But that was the first thing he thinks of is, well, I'm producing that song. He said that was one of the best songs she's ever written. Not bad for a girl. Yeah, not bad for a girl and for somebody who he had to control stinking every single song that she wrote, trying to tell her how she should write it. Like, she doesn't know what she's freaking doing. So many speak about how Porter was genuinely sad at the parting, though. There was an engineer that they worked with. His name was Roy Shockley. And he said, I remember on a Monday morning, he came in and said, Dolly has left me and I'm going to Center Hill Lake for fishing. And I know he stayed six weeks. Chet and Bob, I don't know who those people are. Chet was, and Bob. Chet and Bob was so concerned about it that Tom Pick and I went up. We thought Porter might go over the edge. And then another person likened their relationship to Heathcliff's and Catherine's in Wuthering Heights. And when I read that, I was like, oh, my God, that describes them perfectly. Your favorite book. I love that book. And it describes their relationship perfectly because Catherine did not want what Heathcliff wanted, even though she loved him. And he tried to make her stay and was very broken up when he couldn't control it. Of course, Catherine went and just died so she could get away from everybody. But Dolly did not do that. Dolly did not die. She's still with us. She She's is the new. Still with us. I've said this before. Yes, She's the new the Betty, new Betty White. White. She absolutely 100% is. So it seems like Porter knew that this split was it was going to be the end of not just them working together, but like just being around each other all together. And that's exactly what ended up happening. Um, Dolly fired Porter so that she could be on her own, because obviously, even though they had parted ways, they they were still working together. He was still being a little bit controlling. So that's where. In 1976, Dolly continued to pay Porter 15% of her gross income on her RCA record royalty for the duration of the contract that Porter had negotiated for her. So that's what she had agreed to. But she was like, I'm I'm done. Like, you're you're not part of my stuff because 15% is a small price to pay for freedom from someone like that. Yes. Still a little high, I feel like. But whatever. She She's a very giving person. It just shows that she recognized what he did for yes. her. Well, she never denies ever in anything you read about with them. She never denies what what he did for her. So right away, despite taking some time off because she had some nodes on her vocal cords, her solo endeavors received widespread recognition. She won the prestigious CMA uh, Female Vocalist of the Year, year or as Porter calls it, girl vocalist of the year. (laughs) She won that two years in a row in 1975 and 1976. And then Dolly wanted to branch out and do a pop pop crossover for a more mainstream push for her music. That would also get her more visibility. And to help her with this, she did many interviews on talk shows and graced the cover of many a magazine, including Playboy, which is a very famous one. It was extremely popular 
And even now, that cover still generates more attention from her fans and followers than any of the hundreds of covers she's been on. The article was also very candid with Dolly sharing a lot of personal things about her childhood. And I just had to say that there's so many things she talks about growing up in a backwood, a very backwoods place and being kind of like a wild child. Like some of the stuff she was talking about, I was like, yep, <laughs> been there, done that. But even like the, some of the stories. Are you comparing stories, yourself to Dolly Parton right now? Uh, as a backwood wild child? Absolutely. But I, I, I have some of the stories that she says, I'm like, nope have nothing in comparison with there she it was so crazy and it was so funny in one of her um books that I read she talks about how her family actually had a feud with another family and she said it's a real Hatfield and McCoy feud I was like oh my god she needs to listen to her episode everything's full circle here it is full circle it made me laugh when I read that it's the end of our podcast bye everyone (laughs) we've made it so, Seven degrees of Dolly Parton. Yes. You, you can always get there. So she, in this uh, play, Playboy interview, she it, she repeats and elaborates a lot on that interview that I talked about um, back, from back in 1971, where she was saying that they were great together in so many ways, but also a disaster in so many other ways. So she says, we just got to where we argued and quarreled about personal things, things we had no business quarreling and arguing about. It was beginning to tarnish a really good relationship. And then in true Dolly Parton form, she placed the blame on both of them, saying they were just too much alike for a relationship to continue. She said, I'm sure he is bitter at this particular point. He is so headstrong or strong headed and bullheaded. He won't accept things sometimes the way they are. I won't either. Sometimes we're kind of involved in some legal things. I'm trying to buy my part of the catalog back where I'll have all my songs back together. Someday I hope we can be friends. We are no enemies. We just don't ever see each other. So uh, my take on all of this is like, so in all of her interviews, she always described the lawsuit as her trying to buy her part of the catalog back. But really it was not. She doesn't paint him in a, like a bad light in it, but this was 100% him being a douchebag Mm -hmm. and, and trying to get more than he deserved and we we actually talk about a little farther down so she doesn't say um anything negative like i said just the facts about it and porter was bitter about the split even though he would say all the time he wasn't so after the playboy article comes out he's interviewed in october 1978 by the tennessean again and the headline for this was porter's bitter remarks turn dolly's happiest hour sour and i actually found they have a drink (laughs) They have a drink named after this, which is really funny. It's after the uh, article. After yeah, after that article. Why aren't we um, drinking it right now? Well, because it's in Australia. I tried to email them to ask them, like to like confirm, but there's no way the name of the um drink and stuff. I was like, no, it's so funny. You can look it up online if you put this in. If you put in Porter's bitter remarks turn Dolly's happiest hour sour in Google, this drink will pop up and everybody can see it pretty funny so here is a quote that he says to show that he is not bitter okay mm-hmm. actually i have two of them and i want your i guess he is bitter <laughs> i want your opinion on it because i've done it's a couple really of funny. these episodes and i'm going to go out on a limb and say that he probably <laughs> is probably better. better so he says dolly wants to do everything that is possible for her to do but she lives in a fairyland 
I don't believe a country girl singer would do things in the manner she's done them. Like the Playboy thing. Do you think Kitty Wells would do that? Of course Kitty Wells wouldn't do that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Girl like her wouldn't do that. Uh, you don't even know who Kitty Wells is. <laughs> nope. Well, it's funny that you say that because Dolly, who did not respond until 1991. So he put this out in 1978 and in 1991. This better be a really good response. No. But all she says is, it's in Vanity Fair. She says, I thought, well, I guess not. I don't think Playboy would want Kitty Wells on the cover. But it was that kind of mentality. Kitty Wells wouldn't do that. Loretta Lynn wouldn't do that. Well, I'm not Loretta Lynn. I'm not Kitty Wells. She's Dolly freaking Parton. Yeah, she's Dolly freaking Parton. Exactly. She can go on the cover of Playboy if she wants to. Porter. So here's another one where he's insisting that he is not petty. Or bitter, I mean. No, bitter, petty, same thing. So this is what he says. He says, no, no, no. She couldn't stay. I let her go. Dolly didn't quit. I gave her notice in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that she needed to get her own band together because I wasn't going to travel and have a girl that I had to fight with on the road with us. I'm not bitter because Dolly left my show in my in my sense or in wait I don't know what I put here <laughs> in a sense that's what it is I was just disappointed to find out she's not made of what I thought she was to me Dolly Parton is the kind of person I would never trust with anything of mine I mean her family her own blood she would turn her back on to help herself I'm not that kind of person. I don't care about talking about it because most people would think I'm bitter at Dolly. I'm not bitter at her at all. <laughs> Guy's got a lot to say. For someone who doesn't want to talk about it. And he's not bitter at all. It's always the way it goes, though. When you have a lot to say about something, you're going to claim, oh, it doesn't bother me at all, but here's what I have to say. And then five minutes later, they're like, But I'm really? not bitter at all. <laughs> You're not bitter. Are you, do you want to repeat anything you just do you said? you want to hear back what you just said? <laughs> I don't even think then it would dawn on him. I mean, I couldn't even read what he was saying without laughing. So ridiculous. So not only is he obviously bitter, but he's also kind of greedy. And Dolly actually points out he waited until she was making a very large sum of money to drop his suit. He did this at a time he would have received quite a bit off of of her if he had won, like if he had wanted what he, or if he had won the lawsuit the way he wanted, which, of course, is way over the top. So do you want to hear what he demanded of her in this lawsuit? It's a lot. Of course. All right. So here we go. So Porter demanded 15 percent of her net income from June 1974 to June 1979 plus an additional 15% of their record royalties since her managers had cut him off after she had promised to continue paying him 15%, plus $2 million of lost income from Dolly's recording and touring, $1 million in lost producer and other income from Dolly. Porter also asked that the duet album and 10 duet single sides be released that Dolly return those 130 songs that had been removed from their joint producing company. But of course, he does not mention in all of this that they were actually her songs. <laughs> That's why she had 130 of the songs, because 
they were hers. Is there anything in this lawsuit where she has to return the microphone that he marked? <laughs> I wish, but no. <laughs> uh, and that pr- the producing company be shut down and its assets split between Dolly and Porter, 51% to Dolly and 49% to Porter. So basically he just wants her out of business and yes! to stop touring and just. Yes. Not too many demands at all. He is not bitter. By the whatsoever. way, just stop touring. Just don't make any more songs. That's all I want. Just don't be famous and don't do what I knew you were going to do. Because if I can't benefit off of what you're doing, I don't want you to do it. Like if I were her, I would have been out on the road and I would have advertised every show as Dolly Parton from the Porter Wagner show. Well, as we've already ascertained, Dolly is just not a bitter person like that. She's not petty. She doesn't sink to those levels. She just doesn't. So they ended up settling out of court because, well, probably because the contract that was written between them was so convoluted and it was in both their interests to just get the whole affair settled. Like, I think he he must have had some lawyers that were just like, listen, buddy, you got you don't have a leg to stand on with this freaking contract that you're touting. It's like, what are you doing here? So he also talked about the enduring myth that Porter was just a hick who was holding Dolly back from moving to pop. So remember, she said he did not want her to move into pop. But his version of that, he says, that's bothered me more than any effing thing about the split between Dolly and me. Then he proceeded to say he thought it was a good idea. And Ed said that he tried to get RCA to do that years ago with the right marketing for Dolly so that she would be successful. That is not the story that that he told before, though. And it's not the story that she says. It's very ridiculous. Delusional. Very delusional. So she has a couple quotes um, that I just want to talk about because, again, we're looking back in time. So this one is from Chicago Sun. Chicago Sun Times in 1976. And she says, yes, I'm ambitious, but I hope I'm not hard. I don't want anything at anyone else's expense. If I ever get to the point where I really go off on an ego trip, I hope there's someone there to put me down. And then in the Boston Globe in 1977, she says, I have no fear of getting old. Getting old don't mean you can't be creative. I picture myself as an old woman still being very useful and writing things for people to enjoy. I imagine my whole life full of songs and poems and stories about real things and genuine people. Dolly Parton's A Mountain Gale, True and Simple. I think that her young self from 1977 or 76 and 77 would be proud of her. Mm -hmm. She's turned into exactly what she wanted to be, which is nice. So I will say in the drunk history story, it makes it seem like Porter just blew his money left and right. Mentioning he bought an orange grove in Texas. And he did. He absolutely spent his money on stuff that was probably a little bit frivolous. But the orange grove that he bought, he bought it thinking this was going to be an investment. Like Mm. that's what he wanted. And they had a management company who was supposed to be taking care of it, but they completely mismanaged it. None of the money got there to take care of these trees. And they all ended up dying and he lost all of his money. From that whole investment. And somehow blame Dolly Parton for it, probably. Honestly, he probably was. Uh, I mean, some of his lawsuit, I think, kind of was just out of greed. I don't, I think this was after all of the, like, the settlement and stuff like that. But he also got hit with the IRS telling him that he owed them $489,000, <laughs> which 
which is insane. So here he is. He needs money. Like he needs money fast. So he's selling all sorts of stuff. His lawyers are helping him. They're selling all sorts of stuff. And one of the things that he decides he's going to sell is a bunch of his songs, the catalogs of his songs. So Dolly actually comes in and she buys all of these from him at like a pretty high price. Did he know she was buying them? Yes. She made it very clear. I'm going to buy. I'm going to help you out. Here you go. I'm buying. It's actually in the um, drunk history thing. She's like, I'm buying these from you. I'm helping you out. And then years later, when he got back on his feet, which he did, she wanted to buy or he wanted to buy all of his songs back to her. And she just gave them to him. Here you go. I love you. So that's exactly like the Seinfeld episode where Jay Peterman bought Kramer's jokes and then he just gave them back to him. (laughs) It is not at all. (laughs) Basically. Well, maybe he called Dolly Parton a vagabond. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I hope I hope he did. He probably did at some point. But no, to show that she is the bigger person, that is what she did. He actually went and did a whole bunch on the Grand Ole Opry. He basically became like their unofficial spokesperson. So he got back on his feet. He was really good. They made up, obviously, because Dolly is a bigger person. I mean, she still did so much for him when he did not deserve her to do all of the stuff that she did for him. So... Mm-hmm. They actually sang some duets together. They did a whole bunch of stuff together um, when he was sick and uh, pretty much everybody knew that they were going to die. Like she sang this tribute to him. They were on stage. It was really pretty, like a whole pretty affair for the two of them. And then when he did die from cancer, she was actually there to help him. Like like when he was passing, she sang to him and it was it was a whole sweet thing. So. I I said at the end, it becomes that Dolly is the bigger person and she forgave the Heathcliff in her life that made what could have been a very big and ugly feud nothing. She didn't really become the bigger person. She was the bigger person the entire time. Through the whole thing. But I mean, look at what he, so he sues her for all the ridiculous stuff. And her response is, I'll, I'm going to settle with you. She, I think if she had gone to court, yes, maybe there was some stuff. I, I don't feel like she would have had to pay if she had fought it as much as she did. I mean, there was a lot. There's obviously way more to it. And when you read his book, you'll see how much stuff is in there. And she talks about it in some of her books, too. But I don't know. It's just it's incredible. how it, just, it carries over to the way that she is today, though, yeah. because she gives away money and it's shows you that money is not having tons of money is not a big deal no you can still have a lot of money and still give away a lot of money yes. and still and be still very well have off. a lot of money which is exactly like she she stuck true to what she said back in those articles like she wants to always be that person and she's definitely that person hear that elon musk <laughs> well actually I, when i was reading this i was thinking that you know what she probably is not anywhere close to as rich as like Elon Musk or um, Bezos. I've got news for you. Nobody is. But the reason is because she actually shares the wealth and she still has plenty of money to live off of and be very happy. So they can they can suck it. Yeah, they can. <laughs> so that is my story. I know everything now about Porter Wagner and Dolly Parton. Not really. And it is funny. I do want to point out that he wrapped his his life so much around Dolly Parton thinking he was going to like 
bank off of her or whatever. His biography that I read, it was just as much a biography on Dolly Parton as it was about Porter Wagner. It, I learned so much stuff in that biography about her as well. I'm just like, wait, is this a biography about him or her? <laughs> this is so confusing because it's supposed to be just about him. It is a very long book. It's from, it's written by a gentleman named Steve Ang and he is very thorough and detailed, but my God, it jumps all over the place. It was a lot for me to get the information that I needed because not only was it a ridiculously thick book. We have about 80 pounds of books back there <laughs> about Dolly Parton and Porter Wagner. Hey, I, I like to have all my bases covered. I like, I was having a really hard time finding articles that he was quoted in. And then mm. I got this book. I took me, I, I went to like three different bookstores, a library. I went everywhere trying to find this book and I finally found it on um, thrift books. Thank goodness for thrift books. They always have them. And when I got it, I was like, Oh my God, this book is so, <laughs> so thick. But I mean, it had all the information and then some, so it was, it was an awesome book for info. Thank you. Thrift books. Yeah. And Everyone Steve should Egg. shop there. They should. It's a, a, they have everything. I've never not been able to find a book on there that I need. So now we have to go to Petty Roundtable. I don't know what we're going to discuss because we've already determined that. She's not very petty, but. She's not. I got a couple ideas. All right. Well, we'll go there and we'll discuss it. All right. Bye. See you there. Bye. All right. We are here at the Petty Roundtable. But before we came, I made you listen to <laughs> to. Uh, that song, before, Dolly Parton's. Uh, no, before we do that, let's tell them what you had me do first. Wait. <laughs> Where you had me take this whole table and bedazzle it just to get the effect. I, I bought a bedazzler. I whipped it out and was like, come on, we got to bedazzle this table and first. I bedazzled Porter's name into the table. <laughs> it looks great. I think I've got a new t-shirt idea. Oh, my God. We're going to have a nice Porter t-shirt out there available. Uh, it'll be bedazzled. It'll be bedazzled. It needs to be. It really needs to be. But anyway, carry on. No. So I had you listen to her version of I Will Always Love You. Mm-hmm. And while you were listening to it, you started laughing. I did. And I was like, why are you laughing? So I think you need to tell everybody because it's really funny because I totally forgot about this. So there is a end scene on the end of a Simpsons episode with Mark Hamill and Homer becomes his bodyguard and has to get him out of this Star Wars convention that they're at. And as they walk out the back door, there's a large crowd and Mark Hamill looks at Homer and says, you know what to do. So he picks him up in his arms and I will always love you. Whitney Houston's version starts playing and he starts kicking people out of the way. Walks back and forth through the crowd. It's a pretty funny scene. And so you got every to time to I think version. and now, every, but I don't know why I hadn't thought about this, but I think it's when you told me to listen to Whitney Houston's yeah. version. I was like. Nope, I'm just going to watch this because I got two things at <laughs> once. Because every time I hear Whitney Houston's version, that's the only thing. I don't even think of the bodyguard. I think of that Simpsons scene now. And it is a very funny scene. So, so seek it out if you laugh. can. Maybe I'll link to it just so people can see it. I made you also listen to that Mule Skinner song. Which she was incredible in. I think the very first comment on the one YouTube video that I watched was... 
something about it being compared to a some sort of a cup of coffee or something. I mean, it's very lively song. It is. It's a very lively song, very hee-haw. I would listen to that song. I actually didn't mind it. Well, I mean, she does an amazing job in it. I mean, she hits the notes spot on. She does really good in that. Not but, somebody who's forced to do the song. Spot on, like you're a music expert and you have something you're comparing it to. Yeah, other people who try did to sing. Did you listen to like other that. people sing it? I did not. But how many people are going to put out bad versions of them singing that song? Do you hear a lot of the stuff that comes out? A lot of it is bad. That's true. But it's a very good song. So I will say mm-hmm. the one thing that I thought of for Petty Roundtable Talk, uh-huh. sadly, has kind of already been done. Aww. So we talked about the song Rhinestone Cowboy. Yes. And Glenn Campbell sings that song. Mm-hmm. And again, I know that song from a scene in a movie, which <laughs> I made you watch, the movie High School High, one of the movies I've seen because it's a stupid movie and I laugh at it. It is. And there's a scene in there where they go to the dance where John Lovitz brings a record <laughs> and he says he has something nice that the kids will like to listen to. And the guy puts it on the record player and everyone stops and looks and then he just starts scratching it and everyone starts dancing again. So anyway, so I was like, okay, Glenn Campbell sings that. He's around back then with them, country mm-hmm. singer. So maybe he had something to do. And so sure enough, him and Dolly Parton are well known for singing a duet of Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, there's no way she's covered Rhinestone Cowboy because that, I mean, come on. Rhinestone with who she came with, Porter Wagner. Yeah. And there's no correlation with that song with Porter Wagner. I did look that up, too. Mm-hmm. It was a long walk over here. We had a lot of time to burn <laughs> while we were walking. We did. And it's like, okay, that would be a pretty petty thing for her to do to, like, at his funeral or even when, she, you know, like in the middle of the lawsuit when that was going on, just... Mm-hmm sing rhinestone cowboy and sure enough she has her own version out called it rhinestone cowgirl so i guess if i was going to do anything to that since she stole my idea already <laughs> is i would make it so that if she sang that at the anytime she sings it at the grand Ole opry there has to be a picture of him in his rhinestone cowboy suits up in the background oh he's like a little picture show behind mm-hmm. of him just a little slideshow That'd actually be really nice. Would it? Yes, I could see her doing that. Would it? But like would it tribute? be taken as a tribute, or would it be taken as what an idiot this guy was because he wore rhinestone suits all the time? Yeah, it could be both. <laughs> Check out these dumb rhinestone suits he wore. While well, I'm also being nice. I had a really good idea, and once I saw that she had done it, it just kind of derailed my whole thought, Aww. and I lost it. I'm sorry. Everyone always steals my ideas. They really do. Fun fact, when my stepfather would try to wake me up, he would blast Glenn Campbell. And that was one of the songs that he would always, like, I would always start with that song. Hot take. Who do you like better, Andy Williams or Glenn Campbell? Glenn Campbell. Not Andy Williams. I got to go Andy Williams. No. Glenn Campbell. Moon River. It's not going to compare to anything Mm. that Glenn can't. I mean, Glenn Campbell can't touch Moon River. Glenn Campbell songs do you know besides Rhinestone Cowboy? He's saying Amazing Grace. But Moon River, nothing can stand up to Moon River. Bam, you, second encore every time. If you say so. Well, I will say, I, I didn't even get to talk about the fact that I'm so glad that 
Porter Wagner didn't hold Dolly Parton back because I know you've never seen this movie, Steel Magnolias, but she was in that movie. It's one of my favorite movies, and I got all nostalgic while I was redoing this research, and since I was laying around in bed and couldn't stink and do anything, I rewatched it. So good. Such a good movie. I do know that you like that movie, but shockingly, I've never seen it. Yep. It's one of the movies that she was in. And I like to to think that she went out and she did even more stuff just to show him. You can't hold this girl back. So I feel like from the petty, he definitely, I feel like he got his comeuppance from it. I think karma bit him in the butt a lot. And bit him hard. It really did. <laughs> and his then, butt was bleeding by the time <laughs> karma was done no, with him. No, rhinestone outfit helped karma him out bit right one. through all those rhinestones it really did maybe that's why he always wore the rhinestone suit to protect <laughs> himself from karma but after a while it just couldn't hold it, it gets back. its way through and then i feel like she was so successful because she was the opposite of petty and she was she handled it all very gracefully and so she was kind of she got revenge i don't want to say she was petty but just the way that she acted definitely got him back. She was a bigger person, Petty, maybe. Mm-hmm. She that's was a, a bigger person. But I don't. I really don't think it was like in her thinking. Maybe we can look at it and be like. If you look at the big picture, yeah. it is. But you, kind of, you got him back. But at the same time, I really think she was just genuinely like, no, I because that's just the kind of person she is. Yeah. That's why it was refreshing doing this and not having. Dolly's the new Betty. That's people. another T-shirt. Yes, she is the new Betty and she should be the new Betty because she's amazing. So every day, wake up, go on Twitter, see if Dolly Parton's died just like people did with Betty White. Well, she's only 76. She's got another 24 years. Yeah, she's got a while. And she's always happy like how Betty White was always happy. She always has a funny, snarky comeback for people (laughs) who are being The only thing holding her back is she was never on Golden Girls. Maybe she needs to come up with her own version of Golden Girls and it'll be all country, which I'm very which proud of myself. Which they should call Rhinestone Girls. Oh my God. <laughs> and they wear rhinestone suits. <laughs> I think I just came up with another one. Rhinestone Girls. <laughs> I hope she does this. But I was very proud of myself that I did not talk in a country accent because it was very hard because I watched a lot of episodes you did once or twice when you were reading something i don't know if that's just the way it was spelled out it was it's literally okay i was it was quoted the way she said it and so they were put like and then the way that some of the people talk they just you know they talk very country and so they say stuff and Mm -hmm. so i was just having a quote and so it was very hard for me not to but I, I watched a lot of uh interviews with her in some of the stuff of them together too Mm mm-hmm and she has a very distinct way of talking, and I have it down pretty good. And I was like, God, I want to do it so bad, but I'm not. I'm not going to. Well, do you want to do our plugs for our places where people can see us in a Dolly Parton? In a Dolly Parton? Come on. We're in a Dolly Parton? No, no, not in her voice. No, nope, not going to do it. But I will let them know. Well, first, you just need to tell them about our website because they can do everything there. Let's talk petty.com, that website. Yeah, that one. Because you can do one. so many things on there. You can there. listen to our episodes. You can go to our merch store and buy t shirts, stickers, coffee mugs, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. We have some pretty cool designs, I'm not going to lie. 
I've bought some, like You've I always talk about. Been a customer. <laughs> uh, you can leave a message for us on there. We've got a little microphone you can click. You can rate us. You can rate. You can, you do can everything even forward on there. it to people. You can forward the website to a friend and say, hey, listen to this awesome podcast, mm-hmm. which is what will help our podcast grow. So please, please, please do that. Yes. And then if you don't want to go to our website. But you can find all these links on our website. Yes, you can. You but if can you do... hate websites. <laughs> For some reason, especially if they have the word petty in them. You can email us at letstalkpettypod at gmail.com. Hopefully like, you like email addresses with the word petty in it. <laughs> Just not website. People that listen to our podcast don't like going to websites with the word petty, no. but they'll you write it out in an email. They will. They don't mind that. And then Twitter at Petty Talk Pod. Facebook, Instagram, Let's Talk Petty Pod. And then we have our phone number, 904-446-8448. But if you want to keep it simple, just go to our website because everything is there. Everything is there. It's an amazing website. I love it. I wouldn't go as far as amazing. It's pretty good. (sighs) Again, the difference with us. It's an amazing website. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) So definitely check us out. And listen again next week because I'm going to have an episode and it's going to be slightly different than normal because Mm -hmm. normally we do one person versus one person. And this is going to be one person versus a whole genre of people versus a whole. Like it. Yeah. It's it's interesting. It's a different concept. And it's going to be amazing. It's like when I do the true crime, Petty. It'll be okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, so we will see you next time. We'll talk to you next time. Mm-mm, we'll see them. <laughs> Don't ask me how. <laughs> I will not. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please be sure and give our show a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.